Boom. I believe we might be streaming right now. Hi, everybody. <laughs> hello, hello. Okay. Hi, Vicky. Hi. I'm so excited that you're all here because this wasn't supposed to happen, and this is a total gift to me. So thank you, because I know, Steve and Wadi, you're in the studio and you're trying to get the the album the ep done and you guys are you're, you're pushing it out there on friday huh yeah the, the ep is done we're, we're working on the the full length uh cd which is which will be out later later there's and it for that, and for that you were going to stand me up for something that's coming out later we're gonna have to just rock well, later is later sunday yeah later sunday yeah all right. Well, then you're forgiven. But 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 here it is, and there is going to be a staged concert. Ooh, somebody's dinging. There's going to be a staged concert that I will be at on Saturday, and I hope to see you there. What time is your staged concert, guys? Three o'clock. Three. Three p.m. Pacific time. That's yeah. yes. Okay. So we're, so we're getting that straight. So I'm going to just to see what's going on. Right oh, now. sorry for that noise, because I'm just going to see that people are coming. People are here. We're on. So Wadi, I have to tell you, this is the first time we're meeting. Yeah. Uh, um, Jackson Heights, Newtown High School. No, come on, really? I swear to God. Uh, no. Yeah. Did you, yeah. Go to, you go to Newtown? I did. For, <laughs> for a short time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We I went to Newtown, and then we moved to uh, Forest Hills. And then I, then I cut school there after I did, finished, got, got through cutting school at Newtown. Then I cut school at Forest Hills High until I wound up finishing at uh, Quintano's in New York. Did you know that place? No. Was a, they called it a school for young professionals. Uh, like Sanio <laughs> went there, Patty Duke, wow. and I managed to squeak by and uh, somehow graduate high school because I was too busy for regular school. So, um, so I told them all. Steve actually went to school with my husband at Dalton, but Gabe got thrown out <laughs> at Dalton and he had to go to one of those professional schools to, at the, in senior year to get his degree because otherwise he wasn't going to graduate. I, I, got, I got thrown out too, but I begged my way back in. No, come on. You're like a good boy. What did you get I, thrown yeah. out for? I, I, how, how many people are watching this? <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody's watching. You, you can nobody's tell watching. us. Nobody's watching. Well, I didn't really go to school. Oh. So they okay. said, you know, we can't really graduate you because you, you don't go here. So I lived next door. So basically next door to the school was just an open door party all the time. That's right. I remember when you brownstone us over there. I had, I had to host the party. I mean, someone did. <laughs> That's very fun. And you uh -oh. still are. So, okay, so while we've got you two here, so the reason that you guys have to cut out, so so tell us about the, the full-length CD and when people can expect to have that in their clammy little hands. We don't have a release date for it yet, unfortunately, but we need to deliver it all very soon. So we're just doing some last-minute fixes and checking some mixes and things like that. we got to hand it in very soon. And do we have a, uh, a title for that? We do. Uh, we came oh, up. Can you, tell? can you tell? Yeah, I don't know. If we're allowed. Oh, I don't to think tell. we're allowed. To, I don't yeah. think we're allowed to tell. Yeah. Okay, you don't have to tell. I did hear. Um, Lee sent me some tracks, and you guys are are crazy. You are so rock and roll. I I love that you guys are so rock and roll. And I know I'm going to lose you soon. So Wadi, before you go, um, Cal Sills connect. Um, Bob and John um, have played in my living room and. Oh no. This and I I love them so much. I was such a fan, and I know that you were part of that 
empire when the father when yeah 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 i i met them when they were babies literally and uh i was in newport rhode island and someone said uh have you heard the cowsills and i literally said what's a cowsill <laughs> i never heard a word like that in my life so they took me over to this place they played called the mk it was a little hotel with the bar and there were these four little guys playing i mean Poor little guys. John and Barry were probably 12 and 13. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they were fantastic. It was just the four of them. They were doing the best Beatles songs ever. They sounded exactly like the Beatles with their mm -hmm. beautiful voices. And so I went through a lot of living with them. Their dad tried to manage me for a while. And that, that's how we got to California, actually, through Bud Cowsill. But he was oh, wow. the, most, uh, the most horrible father I've ever seen in my life. And... Uh, a notorious drunk and a terrible businessman. So uh, with all that Perfect going manager. for it. Huh? But I don't know. Yeah, it was my manager, yeah. So uh, before we lose you, I just want to talk while you're all here about how you originally came together. I know Steve joined you more recently, but how did you guys, when you were the section, did were you like thrust together through work or how did it happen? How did you guys... Well, this, this, this section was, uh, we were the back, we were James Taylor, James Taylor's backup band. Now, Danny, uh, didn't you play with, wait, somebody, you played with James before James was James, didn't you? Like before Sweet Baby James, didn't you? Well, we were actually childhood buddies, so I've known him for a long, known him since we were little kids, yeah. So did he bring you in as part of the section because you were like, some because you had a band together when you were kids and you knew each other? Or were you personally no. hired? That that would be no. Uh, no. Actually, uh, um, I've been playing with James for a long time, and um, he put the whole. The, you know, actually, it was Peter Asher that put the uh, the background band together for James, and it was the three of us plus Craig Durge on keys. Was he replaced Carol King, and then Clarence McDonald replaced him, but the three of us, Russ, Lee, and myself, were the core of that that band for a long time. Waddy was also in that band at one point for the Flag Tour, which was by far James's most fun and most rocking tour. Definitely. Without a doubt. And so what, what's, the first, what's the first gig that the four of you did together? The four of us meaning who? Uh, Waddy. Oh, well, we did studio work together. Uh, you know, yeah. we, uh, I met Leland first, I met Russell next, and then Lou Adler put me on a session with Russell, Leland, and Danny, and I think I think Dave Foster was playing piano, and Very it was for, it was for Tim Curry, and that was the first time I met Cooch, and since then we've been in the studio, you know, for fifty years together. So, but that was our first gig together. You know. So was the, was, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, but the section w was not like we we didn't fit into the section. We were working, and then the section evolved out of the work we were doing. Uh, it wasn't like we we created this band. We were out there on the road with with them, and, and it was James who came up with the name, the section, um, when when we were out there on the road. And it just seemed like a logical thing since we played together every day. It, we we sort of morphed into this thing, um, but we were really just the, the the back. We were the band um, for, right. for for a while, and then all of a sudden we became uh, an entity. So, so was it ever a thought back then that you would all do this together one day? How did, how did the immediate family evolve? Go ahead, Danny. 
Well, I got to say that the media family evolved, basically it started with, well, we don't know each other and love each other for many, a long time. Right. Uh, Waddy was supposed to be in the section at one point, but wisely he decided he didn't want to be in the band unless we played songs. <laughs> the, the section was all instrumental. Uh -huh. and, uh, uh, and I actually completely agreed with him, but that was a million years ago. Lately, what happened was, or more later, more, more recently, what happened was I was offered a deal by a record company in Japan, Vivid Records, Vivid, Vivid Recorders. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted me to make a solo album. And I went in uh, to do it. And amazingly, Russ and Lee were available, which is really rare, but they were. And because they love me, they were prepared to do this for a, small, for a small fraction of what they usually get paid. And we got in there. Wad was on the road with uh, Stevie. So he got in there later. Postel was there with me at the time and uh, did a, a yeah. lot of pre-production work with me. And Steve and I had been playing together and, and uh, had a good relationship. We so it just kind of fell together. And once we were in the studio and started playing our stuff, we realized after the uh, second or third day, we said, hey, th this, is, this is good, this is fun. And then uh, I was offered, I guess I was offered a gig to promote the, what was supposed to be a solo album in Japan. And everyone said, yeah, let's go. And at that point it became obvious, we had to make this a band and that's what we did. I came up with the name Immediate Family because that's what we are. It's not the greatest name for a rock and roll band, but it's true. It, it actually, it, it is what we are. So, uh, and the rest is uh, recent history. So Steve, tell us how you came to be part of, I know Steve for 38 years from Bleecker Street in New York. We're too young for that, but, um, and he's played every single club and place I have ever booked over those years. Steve, tell us how you came to connect, because I know you and Danny playing together for at least oh, yeah. six well, years. Yeah. At least a hundred years. Um, the, <laughs> I mean, I had met individual people, but I'd say the thing that really coalesced it was that I made a record for um, Emergent Records. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Leland played on that. I, I grabbed him at NAMM show and forced him that I would kill him if he didn't play on my record. And he, he said, kill me. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, your worst. <laughs> and then uh, Wadi and I have a mutual friend named Dan Nash who got Wadi in. Uh, but but uh, Russ's son mixed the record. Wow. So Nathaniel invited me, Nathaniel Kunkel, beautiful. I heard a record he did with, with uh, Crosby and Nash and I said, that's how I want my record to sound. And so he invited me to the Troubadour and that's when I met Mr. Cooch over there. And we just kind of hit it off. And when he came out to LA, I said, I got this thing that sometimes Leland plays called the Night Train Music Club and you should just come play when you can. And we played your, your book release party, if I'm not mistaken. You did, and it was my Facebook memory today. It was the number one Amazon bestseller five years ago today. And yeah. you and Cooch did the, did the thing. So, then, so it just it just coalesced, and when and Danny and I went to Japan with another sort of group that was sort of the night train, sort of like that, mm -hmm. and uh, so it just it just sort of it was all very organic. It was it was there was no big plan. It just happened. All happened. So as you as you were putting the immediate family together, Danny, it was no question that Steve was going to be a part of this fifty-year relationship that you other guys had. He organically just kind of. And that voice, oh, right. so he wouldn't leave. There. 
He had the car. I, I had the I had the basketball. <laughs> the studio. So you, I know we have to lose you guys really soon, Wadi and Steve. Is there any? I didn't ask in advance, and I don't know if you have anything sitting around you. Is there any way you could play anything? Because you guys are together. Is there any way you could do anything before you go? Oh no, we can't do anything. We no. can't. Okay, Danny's gonna. Don't worry, everybody out there. Danny's gonna gonna play for us before we we end this thing. But I'm really grateful. But Wadi, you know, I've been. I've been watching so much, so many videos uh, over the last week, and and to hear the way Stevie Nicks and Keith Richards and um, my friend Bernard Fowler and everybody speaks of you, um, I and and to hear, it's like you, you are a part of the fabric of so much of my life. I'm going to get to the rest of you because you all are, but but I'm losing Lottie, and I just um, I'm just. I'm speechless. I never, I'm, I'm a Jewish girl with a lot of words and I don't get speechless, but thank you so much for the body of your work that has been such a joy. Warren Zevon, are you kidding me? Excitable boy, Russ was there too. I know you all like fall on everything, but Werewolves of London, I mean, just, and when you sing it now, you sound like him. It's yeah. crazy to me. I told him that today. He doesn't think so. I think he does. You do. You sound, every time you do Zevon, you sound like him. It like weirds me out that, He's we're, like that from the We were pretty close. <laughs> but um, thank, thank you guys thank you so much. much. And Steve, um, for those of you who don't know, when I met Steve, he was with a Pure Prairie League. You were, he walked into this club and, and um, the voice of an angel and you produced everybody and played with everybody. And I've seen the Night Train Music Club many times. And um, you're, you've been a wonderful, um, an inspirational friend for a long, long time. And I look forward to having you all back in the living room when we are able to do such things. We will. Got it. It's great to see you, Vicky. Thanks, and, and thanks for booking me all, all back then. <laughs> those $100 bills, wow, those really came in handy. <laughs> I'm so glad to meet you. I, I ate for a week <laughs> off that $100. Well, Wadi, I'm coming back around because I want to get you on, on here by yourself and Russ and Danny as well and do like, uh, like Lee and I have done like and Steve, too. We've done hours long marathons. So I look forward to more of that. Anytime. Thank you guys for Thank coming you. in with us. Take care, Great to meet you. Bye bye. bye. Hey, don't say anything bad about us. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Or, or oh, go that's, back to that's, work. That's, go that's back a given. Work. That's a given. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Hey, go back to work. Stop fucking around. Hey, come on. Come no, on. Sorry, sorry, guys. Sorry. Let's get right back to it. Let's go, man. Miss you already. On Saturday. Bye, guys. Oh, that was sweet. Well, that was very. I didn't think they'd ever leave. <laughs> <laughs> um they're getting they're getting a lot of love they're getting a lot of love okay so so let's <laughs> so you guys are the with the original three um did did it work did you personally russ you tell me like personally the relationship was it right from the get-go was it just and you and lee because you have to do that rhythm section thing i mean was it was it instant magic um we all were bound together by an amazing friend of ours named Peter Asher. And Peter, if, Peter's like the sixth member of this group. Mm. And if it wasn't for Peter, we would not have met each other. We wouldn't have had the careers that we have. And so Peter really is the linchpin that kind of got all of us together in various different ways. The first, that's when I met Danny doing the Sweet Baby James album. And then after, when, after that album came out, we did one tour 
with Danny, myself, Carol King, and James. That was the initial first tour for the Sweet Baby James album. And then after that, um, Leland tells the story of, of meeting James uh, with his band Wolfgang. And then James hired Leland to come and, and to come and be part of the band. And then that was the that was the beginning of the three of us playing with James for about 10, 12 years. So it, 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 we just were, we were thrust together by, um, you know, a, a perfect storm of coincidence. And uh, it's just, we were, so, we were all so blessed to have been part of it. When, when you were making Sweet Baby James, which I know you were on not only playing, but you had to do with production as well, from what I understand, is that so? Not myself, no, I, the, that was okay. Peter's production, yeah. Okay, so I, I, I read wrong that you had something, but anyway, when you were playing, when you were doing Sweet Baby James, did you guys have any concept of what was gonna happen from that album, of what was to come? Did you know how brilliant it was when you were there? No, that's all hindsight, you know? We were just, we were just so happy to be working. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember going into to Peter's, Peter Asher's office, which was in the garage of his house, at that time, that the first house that he rented in in L.A., when w watching watching Fire and Rain and Sweet Baby James go off the charts and seeing a Billboard magazine, uh, his secretary Gloria Boyce said, "Look, look where we are." And that, I think that was the first time it dawned on me that, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So. And how about Tapestry? Did you know, I mean, you don't know what that, you're just doing it and you just, you don't, you just do it and you don't think ahead to, oh, this is, this is special. Well, for me, I mean, I knew when I first heard James Taylor's songs that he was something special and that his music was special and different from anything else that I heard. And, and Carol is the same way, you know, the songs that Carol <clears throat> the body of work that she put together for Tapestry, I knew that when I heard those songs that they were they were different and they were special. But, you know, I had no idea at the moment that they would go on to be, you know, iconic records. That would yeah. last forever. So, and Danny, did you know when you were kids, like, did you, did you guys know when you were kids, did you have any dream of being anything else other than a rock star? I mean, this life of rock that you have? Danny, how about you? Well, I didn't think of it as being a rock star. I just thought of it as being a musician, being able to play with the best musicians I could find, and especially to play with my heroes. That was my ambition and my goal. And I was able to, actually, I did play with a lot of my heroes. Uh, and, and among them are Lee Squire and Russ Conkle, my, my most heroic partners, you know, for sure. I knew James was great. Being great is not the same thing as being a star. Okay. Yes. I knew he was great at what he did. But that doesn't mean he's going to be a star. That means he's great. And I always knew he was great. Mm -hmm. But uh, like I said, that, that's not necessarily, does not necessarily lead to stardom as we know. Absolutely. Have you ever played with anybody that you felt was great and deserving that didn't, that didn't break through? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, hmm, hmm. Well, yeah. I'm going to close that to all of you because you've all played with so many people. And I agree that great doesn't mean stardom. And stardom is, I mean, luck meets opportunity meets all that stuff. Um, but I, I'm guessing there are people out there that if the situation had been different, they were worthy. Actually, I can't, you know, we got to play with like the best, the greatest songwriters and singers of that period, all of them. And they were so brilliant. Uh, I know for myself that I got really spoiled uh, playing these great songs with the best musicians, the best songwriters, the best singers. 
So uh, uh, that, that really took over my life at that point. As for people that should have made it, I, nobody jumps into my uh, imagination okay. immediately, um, but I'm sure that's not the case with Russ and Lee. Um, all right, I'll give them a minute to, to reflect on it. I'm, I'm sticking with you for a second, Danny. So okay. you're a little kid, you're playing, when, how old are you when you start playing guitar? 10. And when did you write your first song? When I write my first song, 16. Your body of work of songs that you have written is mind boggling. I cannot believe the hits that you've written, the song, forget the hits, the songs that you've written. When, when did you write your first, something that, that got recorded? When, when did you write the first, how old were you when the first song that got recorded, that actually got recorded? Uh, well, I guess the first song that got recorded was uh, Machine Gun Kelly because James recorded that on his, on his Mudslide Slim album. And that was, I had written songs before that, but when James recorded it and put it on that album, that was the first kind of real. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, would you think about maybe playing that for us right now? Oh God, you know. Eh, yeah. But you know, how All can right. I have you guys on here and not have music? Right. You guys, I'm- I'll, I'll take the chance of boring Russ and Lee to death with this. No, it's it's such an incredible storyline that the, the, you know, you, you, you create such beautiful imagery in your lyrics uh, on the songs and the way you play is, you know, I would never, uh, that the reason I'm sitting here 50 years later is because I adore you and what you do. Uh -huh. And I would never in a million years be tired of, you know, what it is that. <laughs> 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 no, I love you, Pooch. Are, are you going to do the Nancy Sinatra version of this? That's a great version. I couldn't believe it. Really it. After, after James did his stuff, it occurred to me, it took years for me to realize that Nancy Sinatra had recorded the tune as well. And, she, and her version of it is great. It's really yeah. cool. That, that must be the Wrecking Crew. I don't know who's on it, but it's yeah, it would be the Wrecking Crew. Really good. Really, really, really great. And for those of you out there, the only reason why Lee and Russ aren't playing along is because we kind of tried it and it could end up being a real fuck fest with yeah. the- Technically, the it's, this is not- Also, I don't, I don't really like playing with those guys, you know? <laughs> But Lee yeah. promised that they would act involved during the playing. Yeah, oh, let's hope not. <laughs> we, we will. Okay, go ahead, take it away. Here's a story about Machine Gun Kelly. He traveled down the Elvin Hotel. Machine Gun Kelly was a desperate man, but the missus was a hard as nails. Watch out, Machine Gun. Don't let her run around. Don't let a woman take you out to be a Machine Gun. Let me tell you about Catherine Kelly. She's tired of being so small time. She figured if they kidnapped a rich man's son, they'd make it in the world of crime. Watch out, machine gun. Don't let her run around. Don't let a woman make you out to be a clown. You better watch 
Machine Gun Kelly. Be careful of what you do. If you keep a messing with your old lady, there ain't no telling what'll happen to you. Machine Gun. Well, the government boys come up on machine gun. They came and took that boy away. They stuck him in a hole in Leavenworth prison. Yeah, then he lived there till his dying day. Watch out, machine gun. Don't let her run around. Don't let a woman put you six feet in the ground. Machine gun. of everybody out there russ and i <laughs> you're just a monster and your songs yeah 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 i don't even all right so i haven't talked to lee at all i'm gonna go lee, lee and i have spent at least four hours chatting online lately just four that's it <laughs> so the last time lee and i talked i woke up the next morning and facebook had taken down all my shows 200 shows and i think it was because lee and i were talking about the idiot i'm guessing that that was yeah probably. i'm sure that had everything to do with it i got them back though no so I th i'm so thrilled for you because it's so much work went into all of your shows and the idea that they could just flippantly just take them down without explanation without recourse or you know so i when you when you posted that you got all your shows back i was so happy for you because i know the effort you put into this and it's you know thank it's, you it's, but you know in truth it, it really was just a glitch it was just a a a, a link glitch that's what we're going to say that we're going to say they don't hate me and that it was just a glitch but it, wasn't, um, it was me <laughs> Did you read that there's all kinds of controversy today because Facebook and Twitter blocked, uh, they're trying to put up um, Biden's son's emails. Did you read about this today? And yeah. Facebook and Twitter blocked them. And so uh, the New York Post, oh, that's right, the New York Post did a story because that's a credible paper uh, about Hunter Biden's emails and saying that Biden was actually on his way to, I don't know, some place he shouldn't have been going. And anyway, Facebook and Twitter blocked in our, in our favor this time instead of going with the Russians, which was pretty wow. actually. We uh, can go on about cor corruption all day long about this stuff. We can go on for hours and hours and hours. You know, Hunter Biden is not running for president. He isn't president. He's not running for anything. Who the fuck cares? You know, yeah. that's not the point. The point is who's going to run the country? Who's 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 going to? Okay, but even that we shouldn't even be talking about that because there's just too much. It's, you know, it's yeah, already been know, said. It's already been said much. over and over again. You know, well, yeah, well, we, we need to say it over and over again. And I, I I'm happy for each of you to speak a little on it because we have to get out the vote because unless we get those ballots in those boxes in the next two weeks, what kind of what country do you want to live in? What this, country? What kind of country do you want to live in? We used to have a democracy, you know. But again, we can go on, you know, between Leland and myself and Russell, we can go on like this all, you know, for hours and hours and hours about the outrage, the disgust, the, the, the pain of, of all this, you know. But what we're about is music. What we're trying to do is address this stuff the only way we can through music. Our songs re uh, re reflect this, especially my new songs definitely reflect all this. Yeah. But they're not, 
overtly political. They're, I always try to tell a story, just like Machine Gun Kelly, I always try to tell a story. Rather than say, do this, do that, I try to tell a story to make a point. So anyway, I'm done. No, 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 I don't want you to be done. Actually, my audience, are we are this is what we talk about every single day is what's going on so you're, you're talking you're preaching to the choir but so can you give us an example of a new song that is speaking to this to what's going on yep i can tell us this well there's songs on our new album i'm not sure whether i should be discussing them or not because they're brand new and we've been asked not to uh say too much about them because they're when when the album comes out there's going to be more of that but i will say this i just wrote a song called there's a party at the graveyard. What do you think that's about? You know, can't imagine, right? Can't imagine. <laughs> you know, so again, the best way to tell any of this stuff is not to say, you people suck and you're no good. The best way is to tell a story, tell a story. And that's how you bring people in. Not by preaching at them, not getting on the soapbox, not by yelling at them. Tell a story. Okay, that's what I have to say. You know, and I have to say that Danny's been doing that for his whole, his whole professional yeah. career. And, uh, and that's why we're so proud to be in a band with him, because that's what he does. He, he, he gets the message out in a way that's musical and that stays with you. Mm -hmm. So, so we're, gonna be, we're gonna be coming to your concert on Saturday. Is there anything that you guys will be able to play on Saturday that will speak to this? Because I know you have some, some stuff that wasn't written for, uh, didn't Steve Postel write a song that you guys rewrote yeah. for what's going on now? Yeah, house will fall. And is that going to be on the new? I think that'll so. be that'll be you you might you might be able to see that for sure. Okay, cool. Because that I I know that from what I've heard, you guys restructured that to work for this. Well, we put the big the, he he had most of the lyrics. Wadi and I put the big beat to it. Well, not Wadi, you know, all of us did. We put the big beat to it because it's got to have that rock and beat. That's the other thing is if you can't shake your ass to it, then Later for the message, you know? In other words, I, I like to get people going on two levels. One is like whatever I, it, the story is, whatever to say, but the other one is to, is to get your ass, you know, to, to rock the house. That's why I have the best rhythm section in the world to play my songs, you know, whatever they are. Russ Cockle and Lee Sklar, the best. There is no one better. There is no one better. And you write the best, you write the most rock and rock songs of anybody that I know. You rock. And they Very all nice. do. And uh, you guys, you guys are magic. I, I don't even know where to start with you guys. All right. So let's go over to Russ for a minute. So Russ, you're a kid. You're growing up in Pennsylvania, I want to say. Correct. Yep. And uh, drums, your first instrument. Well, how did you get started in music? Well, I'll try to keep it simple. Um, my brother was a drummer, my oldest brother, Gilbert, and uh, he introduced me to the drum kit, sat me on his lap, put sticks in my hand. And <clears throat> he had a band that, uh, that rehearsed in the house. So <clears throat> I grew up in a household where I heard music a lot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so that was, that was the beginning of it. When I was in the fifth grade, I joined the, the orchestra and then got kicked out because I played the snare drum too loud. Because <laughs> um, I just kept riffing on the snare drum in places that I shouldn't have been doing, you know, trying to do my best Gene Krupa licks. But, um, <laughs> but that's, you know, that Pennsylvania, I, I, only, I only was there until I was nine years old. My father passed away and my mom and I moved to California. So. And so how did, was, how did your career start? 
My career started by being uh, meeting people in junior high and high school that uh, played music, guitar players, and I was in various different bands in Long Beach, California. Mm -hmm. And then I was finally in a band that moved up to Los Angeles and we were the house band at the Whiskey A Go Go for 19 weeks, a band called Things To Come. And um, I met David Crosby, I met, you know, Graham Nash and, uh, you know, started doing, uh, I started doing publishing demos for a man named Joel Sill at ABC Dunhill music publishing company. And, and that's where I met people like Louis Shelton and Joe Osborne and Larry Nechtel and uh, got to play with those guys a lot like Leland did. And, uh, you know, then eventually the real, like I said before, the real linchpin was meeting Peter Asher. I was playing with an artist named John Stewart who replaced Dave Gard in the Kingston trio. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was playing with him and, a, and one of the members of the band was a, a brilliant fiddle player named Chris Darrow. And he was a friend of Peter's and Peter brought James Taylor to California to do his first Warner Brothers record. And he needed to put a band together and he called Chris and Chris, he said, I'm looking for a drummer. And Chris said, come to this rehearsal with John Stewart. We have a, a drummer that I like. And Peter saw me play and hired me. And that's when I met Danny, you know, and uh, and then the the rest is history. You know, so, Lee, we we've talked many times, but maybe there are people on this that haven't that haven't heard. Uh, how how did how did playing professionally happen for you, Lee? Well, my father gave me a ten million dollar loan. Oh, oh no, excuse me, that was the other guy. I'm sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> no, um, I, for me it was it was very funny when I was a little kid. Um, my parents used to watch the Liberace TV show and I would sit with them and watch it. And I became totally enamored with the piano. Uh, I love the panache of him all in his tux with the candelabra and his brother, George would come out and play violin. And we had a piano in the house, a baby grand piano. So I started plunking around on it when I was about five years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I took to it. Uh, it was one of these things that, uh, my parents got a piano teacher, and by the time I was eight, I had played for Eugene Normandy of the Philadelphia Orchestra, and I have some awards from the Hollywood Bowl Association. But when I was 12, I went into junior high school, assuming I would be playing piano, mm-hmm. and they had tons of piano players, but they needed a string bass player. And my music teacher, Ted Lynn, brought a old K upright out of the back room and put it in my hands and I held it, plucked one note, felt that vibration run through me. And I said, sold, man, I'm the, you got me. And at that point I was pretty burned out with piano anyhow. And I just focused on bass at that point, but never really thought it would be, I was always in bands, you know, mm-hmm. I, <clears throat> sometimes five, six bands at a time, uh, especially once I got an electric bass. When I got my first electric bass, it changed everything. Um, because up to that point, uh, you were just fighting with drums and guitar with an acoustic bass with no pickups. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but, you know, I was in college and I was a science and art major in college, assuming I was going to be like a maybe a medical illustrator. And it was during that period when I was in the band Wolfgang um, that I met James. And lit, like I said earlier, I, I got asked to play a gig and that gig is still ongoing. And uh, I walked out of college after five years, never told anybody I was leaving and never finished, never graduated. And, uh, but I found 
the real joy in my life was the minute we started touring, you know, because I really hadn't been on the road that much. It had been mostly clubs mm -hmm. that, you know, we had played. And as soon as we started with James, it was a lot of field houses, a lot of colleges and things like that. And uh, as soon as we walked out and started playing, I just went, this is it. This is really what I want to do. And when I would look next to me, uh, and when you talk about how we got together, the first time I ever played with Danny and, and, and Russ, it was the most effortless, seamless thing I've ever experienced. There was absolutely no vocabulary between us except music. And we never had to like work at it where there's musicians I've done sessions with and stuff that it's slightly laborious, even though they were all world-class players and stuff like that. These guys, and I was kind of equated to like digging through the, digging through your closet and you find those old slippers and you take them out and you slip them on and you just kind of sit back and you go, oh God, this feels so good. <laughs> and that's what these guys are to me. It's like, they're, they're my favorite slippers. They, I feel so comfortable when I'm with them. And Wadi's a whole other thing. That's, that's, that's really, that's a battle and, and a thing. And I, I still, um, I, I figure someday I'll figure him out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and Postel, yeah, whatever, whatever. But these two, okay. since they're the ones that are here, I'm going to talk about. <laughs> so, as 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 the three of you, were you ever on like a like an? Were you ever recording or playing live with anyone that the three of you were looking at each other, going, "What are we doing here?" I mean, has that happened to you over the years? You've played with so many people. I, I, don't, I don't have to name them. I'm just curious. No, if, like, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, for me. When, like when we would do studio projects for other people, if I walk in the studio and I saw a road case that had, at that time, especially we had like the section logo on our cases. If I walked in and I saw the case that said, you know, Danny Korchmar, or I saw one that said Russ Kunkel, I really didn't care what I was doing. I knew I was gonna have a great time that day and we would make the best project that we possibly could. Um, I don't think I've ever felt on stage like, you know, there's been a couple of things where I've kind of thought, what the hell am I doing here? And it was really because of the personality, not even the music, it was personality of the artist. And I chose at that point never to work with them again. You know, you know, I, I, you know when, when you say, <clears throat> what, do, what are we doing here? That could be in a positive connotation or a negative one. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think for the most part, we've been pinching ourselves for our whole careers as, as, the fact that we've been able to work with so many great singer-songwriters. I mean, if you, if you if you make a list of the people that we've worked with, it's the creme de la creme, you know? So it's like, you know, we, we in hindsight, we look, we look back and we go, wow, how lucky are we, you know, yeah. that we got to be in those places at those times and be a part of that music. And, and, and like Carol King and James Taylor, Don Henley, Jackson Brown, Linda Ronset, these are our friends, you know, and, and we, we, got to, we got to live life with them. We got to have sorrow with them, pain, happiness, and then be a part of their music. So we, we are some of the most blessed individuals in this business. Well, I think that gratitude is what keeps it coming. I think um, a lot of grace there, Russ, which is lovely. And yes, everything, every album on my shelf, well, I don't, I don't have albums on my shelf anymore, but it's all it's all electronic now, but whatever. But um, but yeah, you guys have pretty much played on everything that I've listened to my whole life. So that's that's pretty crazy. 
that you have this legacy of music already. So it is now that you've come together as a, we're gonna go back and talk about some of that, but now that you're together as a band, does it get better than this? Because now it's you guys doing what you, now you're in the front, you're front and center. It's you guys. Vicki, when you hear this new record that's gonna come out next year, your mind is gonna be blown. I, I so, uh, so uh, that's all I'm telling you. Just wait for it. Well, I have a few so tracks the best, on yet, so I the best is yet to come. That's just so amazing. And so, is the is this like the culmination of a lifetime dream come true to be able to do this together? Oh, for me, it certainly is. Lee shaking his head, no. No, no, I'm shaking my head because it's a continuum. Because yeah. I'm looking forward to many more years. It's like we've we've hit this point now but we're really hitting our stride at this point. Right, and but that's I what I'm saying. Like, is this gonna be the band? Like, do you see this as like, okay, now I'm in the band because you guys have played with so many people. Now you've got, is this now your band that you get to like, just take this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can only, I can only speak for myself, but I, this is, I've been waiting my whole life to do this with my brothers. And, and I'm, I've been blessed to work with so many great people over the years and that have supported me, but now it's our time. You know? yeah. And I, I can't speak for everybody else, but I think we right, all Russ. feel the same way that this is what we want to do. And we're, we're, just, we're just at the start of it. And we started it in a pandemic. Oh my God. You know? so, it's like, so we just can't wait to bust out of it. Yeah. How, was it, uh, was it, how did I, I've seen some videos from the early pandemic where you guys were each in your own space and you put the, the block. So how did you make the decision? Okay, we're going to, we're going to get in each other's bubble and we're going to, cause I've got the COVID crazies watching. How did you get to that place where you felt safe to do that? And when did you do it? And what was the occasion? Danny? Gee, I don't know. It's uh, the COVID thing. It's, it started before that, you know, my mind went to a different place listening to Russ and Lee. I got to tell you, Vicky. And what I realized is that when I first played with that, these guys as a rhythm section, I had never played with anyone that good ever. I had been in two or three bands already. But when I played with them, I said, where the fuck have I been my whole life when I played with them? I said, this is it. This is it. These guys, this is it. And this is 1970 I'm talking about. Now here it is all these years later. So yeah, this is the, the penultimate, uh, uh, no, not the pen, the ultimate situation for me is to be in a band with these cats i've been i've been looking forward to this my whole life i guess really and i've been and i've been headed towards this my whole life musically and otherwise and uh the fact that i'm with my brothers is the most meaningful thing ever that could ever be musically for, for me i love it so uh, somebody doesn't have their notifications turned off we're hearing somebody's computer going off but i'm sorry it's it's mine i i, I can't this thing never stops them so, uh, um, sorry about yeah, that. Don't worry about it. It's fine. So any favorite memories that you guys have shared? You've been all over the world together. You've toured with so many people. You know, you've toured more than many times together. It, it, what was it like the first time, like, walking out in a stadium or uh, Madison Square Garden? I mean, any, any like, and does anything stand out as being gigs when you guys just looked at each other and went, oh, my God, are we really doing this? I don't think it, it wasn't like that. We didn't we didn't uh, sit around and go, oh, my God, we're at the head of we're at the forefront of this singer songwriter movement, you know. But I, what I do remember is the first tour we did with James, 
Mm -hmm. I looked at them, there's these things on the, the floor aiming at me. And said, what are those? Monitors. I had never seen them before. You mean monitors? Like, so he can hear? I couldn't believe it. And then, you know, uh, uh, play, playing with, with, with Ru Russ and Lee, playing those James Taylor songs. Now playing with that, playing with James is like walking on eggshells. You've got to be really careful what you do because he's playing acoustic guitar. It's got to be back, 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 back. Now I grew up playing rock and roll just like we all did. So we had to find a way to keep it rocking, but keep it down on the down low so that it would never overpower James. And um, I don't know, am I answering your question? I don't, I'm just free. There, there's, no, there's, no, there's no agenda here. So anywhere we go is fine. Um, so it, how it, about, go ahead, Lee. It was kind of like one of the early gigs we did with James was uh, Carnegie Hall. Oh. And that's one of the, acoustically one of the most incredible rooms in the world. And we had the Brecker brothers and Barry Rogers on trombone with us. Yeah. And you walk in there and you're afraid to touch your instrument because the it, that room, you know, you want to hear Vladimir Horowitz in the room. You don't want to hear an electric bass, but we, we made it work. But it, there were a lot of, there were so many moments within all of this. And I think the, the hardest part is you're, you're living that moment and you're not seeing how the future is going to see these moments. Um, just like with these artists, like you were talking earlier about, working with some people that you would have swore they had everything, all their ducks in a row. They had looks and songs and they never made it. And you just kind of, you don't know why, but you're living in the moment of this every day. And you can do some hindsight occasionally, you know, to check things out. But I, I don't live back there. I really live in today and tomorrow. And the thing that, that's so joyous about this, this situation for us is, um, is we're looking forward to so many tomorrows. And we had a lot lined up w when the pandemic hit, like everybody else. But um, there, was, had, was, there had, was a momentum taking up, right? Yeah, there was a momentum taking place that suddenly the, you know, the kibosh was put on it, but we're working as much as we possibly can on things that accommodate the pandemic for us, mm -hmm. where we don't put ourselves in, in danger. And uh, but we're still, you know, we're plowing forward at this point. Do you find that your fans are the, oh, I'm sorry, Russ, go ahead. I, I'll save my question. I, I was gonna try to answer your question. Um, Excellent. I think one of the moments that the three of us shared uh, that was incredibly special was being a part of the No Nukes concert. Mm -hmm. That was a moment in time where um, not only musically was it special because of, of, of the acts that were, they were on the stage, but we got to play with James and we played with Jackson. I don't know if we played with Linda as well, but we were we were kind of a, a core of a house band that played with everybody on in that show at Madison Square Garden, and and that movement really stopped the proliferation of the the, nuclear, the growth of the nuclear power plants in in this country, and we we were we were a part of something that made a difference in the, the music made a difference and I, I to me that was one of the moments where being a musician and being associated with all these great artists made made a difference for the country you know and and, and you know so that that was I hope that answers your question that totally answers you know? the question yeah, so. um I, I appreciate that so this new um Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. So are you finding that your fans, I would imagine they're mostly people 
our age, my age, who who can you know know all of you from are you? But I'm I'm assuming that you've also got some young new fans are finding you. I would think that that's so. Yes. Well, that would be nice, uh, you know. But at the same time, we realize we're a we're a niche situation. We're not trying to compete with Cardi B and 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 uh, Justin Bieber. You know, we we couldn't care less about that. We're interested in talking to people that already dig the stuff that we came up with. You know, the, the the same music we came up with. Those are the people we want. We just want our people. We don't want we don't need everybody, and we're not going to get everybody. You know, but we want to stand for what we actually believe in uh, the music that we do. And we're hoping to bring people along. I don't care what age they are, but I would say that we're not trying to appeal to everybody. You know, that, that's it. We're, you know, we're, we're going to play good rock and roll. That's what we're going to play. Have you, have you guys seen that little video on, on uh, YouTube of that little, that little toddler dancing to uh, Chuck Berry? Yes, I oh, have. yeah. Okay. That's what we want to do. Mm -hmm. We want to we be able to get people even toddlers rock into the music that we're playing because it's ageless you know yeah. good rock and roll it does it doesn't matter who your audience is you can reach everybody and like leland said earlier don't lose the dance floor you know keep everybody Every, dancing right you know? the songs we write and the songs i write certainly uh, i want as i said probably i'm just repeating myself but i they have to have at least two qualities one is that they tell a story and say something and two is that they are ass shakers. They you know? are all ass shakers. We've got to get them on both levels. That's that's my, yeah. my feeling about it. They got to have that big beat and that rock and beat. And that's what we've talked about and what we knew we had to do as soon as we got together. So we're not going to be like Jackson, like we played with Jackson Brown or even with James Taylor. We got to pull out that big beat right now. And that's that's what our music is about to a large degree. So it, it, do you have like a highest dream of something other than just continuing to do it and letting it evolve naturally? Is there, is there something that any of you have yet to accomplish that you still would like to? I mean, I, I feel like how much more could you do, but is there anything there's else? Always, you there's always stuff to do. There's well, I, I, I personally would like to see our music, uh, the music of the immediate family mm -hmm. uh, over the next five years touch a huge amount of the population of the world and that people can relate to it, you know, and that we have the opportunity to go all over the world and play our music live and continue to make records that people enjoy. I mean, what else, what else could be better than that? Yeah. Sounds like fantastic. Tell me about the, tell us about the Denny Tedesco um, documentary that he's making about you guys. Go ahead, Lee. Well, um, he's, we had a, like a certain momentum that was going uh, before the, the the lockdown took place. He's he's interviewed a ton of people like James and and Linda Ronstadt and, and Lou Adler, all, all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they came and they filmed us playing at the Iridium in New York, and we were walking the streets of New York and talking and um, having some adventures out there. And they're continuing, they have like, you know, for these kind of things, they have forensic people that are digging archivally and finding all kinds of stuff about us. And I'm fascinated, I haven't seen anything, you know, so I'm completely excited about, you know, where things are headed with this and how it's gonna be presented. But Denny is a remarkable um, filmmaker 
And what, what he did with the Wrecking Crew movie uh, was yeah. really something, I think that should be required viewing in every school in, in the world um, for what those people accomplished and how he presented it. <clears throat> but I'll, I'm real curious to see how this all ends up, but there, there's plans for certain things that are gonna require all of us to be together. And we're looking for the right time when that's gonna be possible because we're gonna do a round table storytelling time and, um, so, but I'm excited. It was so flattering when they came to us and said that they wanted to make this movie because we live in our little world and you kind of don't think that, you know, somebody's going to pop that kind of stuff out at you and say, you know, how about a documentary film? So we'll see. I'm, I'm totally excited about it in the same way I'm totally excited about this new album. Uh, it's, uh, I have to say, well, this uh, is the EP. We'll hold this up since this is coming e Friday. But the actual film, mm -hmm. I mean, the actual new album mm -hmm. is, it's really one of the best things I've ever been involved with. Everybody brought, you know, the, their A-plus game to this. Uh, Danny and Waddy's and Steve's writing on this was really unbelievably great. Every, every song is an absolute gem. And when we sit and listen to it, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you kind of go, this is unbelievable. I mean, you, I, I can sit away and, and distance myself from things and, and appreciate them as fanboy and not as a participant. And I'm so deeply proud of what we've created. And I can't wait, like Russ said earlier, to get this out and share it with, with the, the world. And, and I'm finding this on, like, on my YouTube channel. People write to me every day going, when this is, are you guys going to be coming to Iceland? Are you coming to Switzerland? Are you coming to Germany? Are you coming to Japan? And there's nothing we want more than to hit the road and share this music with everybody. And because we, you know, we kind of smile at each other on a, at a certain point, you know, the band's called the immediate family, but I'm kind of looking at humanity as the immediate family too. And this is something that I really want to be able to share with people and people are really chomping at the bit to hear it all and and to embrace it so i'm excited about that i get very positive feedback every day from people it's really great to hear that you guys aren't road weary and that you're looking forward to getting yeah. out there and um and and you've also you've used you've used this time this pandemic to be very productive danny as far as writing goes has this been a fruitful time for you? Yes, of course. Ever since I've been in this band, it's been a fruitful time for me because I have a vehicle now for the stuff I come up with. And also I have great co-writers with Russ and with Wadi and Postel. So yes, this is incredibly, uh, you know, liberal and, 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 and creative time for me. I've already written five or six more songs. Uh, he's, he's being modest. I know for a fact he has 10 or 15 because <laughs> I've seen his book. You know, Dan, Danny, Danny is so prolific. He's, he's always got so many things going on. And every time I get a chance to go hang with him at his house, he'll flip a page you know, and I'll look at lyrics and I'll go, why aren't we doing this song? What is this? He goes, wait a minute, I want to show you this other one. You know, he's got, he's saying five, it's 15. Trust me. What, so Danny, do you have, do you have a daily discipline? What, what's your, as a writer, I'm a writer, I'm curious, do you have, a daily discipline or does it come when it comes? What, what, how does it work for you? Well, I'd say around five, 530 is, is a cocktail time. And uh, so that's a good place to start. You know, no, I don't have any, I don't have any particular uh, uh, 
program at all. I wait for it. You know, Keith Richards has a, has a saying that he sits around and plays a guy and he goes, incoming. And that means he's getting ideas and they're coming in. You have to have your antenna up all the time for those. And I have a book. I write down everything anyone says that sounds interesting to me or, or, or groovy or that I think could be a, a lyric or part of a song. So I have a long list of ideas that I can draw from. But uh, I don't sit down. I don't have any schedule. You know, this ain't Nashville. I don't write 10 to 1 and 2 to 5. Fuck that. I write when I feel it. When I feel it and when I want it, when I got something to say, that's when I write. And I don't write by formula and I don't write by schedule. I write when I feel it. And so do you feel usually? Amen. Exactly. So a lyrics first for you? Sometimes, I yeah. Lately, yes, I've been writing lyrics first. And that has never happened before. Really? Usually I always start with a beat and music and, and uh, chord changes, progression. And, and a melody always, but now lately I've been, yeah, I've been starting with lyrics. It's a different way to approach things. Very interesting. And so, so COVID has not uh, beaten you down in any way. You're, you're as prolific as ever, maybe even more so it sounds like. Well, it's beaten me down the same way it's beaten everyone down. You know, it's such a monumental change in our, in our, all our social habits. And it's certainly, you know, a total drag that, uh, that our band can't go out and play live because that's, that's our bread and butter and that's what we love to do. Um, but at the same time, all of us are creative people and we're gonna find a way around this. We're gonna find a way to be creative regardless yeah. of what the situation is. And we're lifers, we are lifers. We do not quit, we don't back up an inch. We go forward. That's no plan B. Vicki, I thought about something today that I think uh, kind of <clears throat> uh, works with what Danny just said. Um, when this is over, and when we can get back to some semblance of normal where we can go out and perform, can you imagine how, how much people are going to want to hear live music? I mean, the, 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 uh, clubs, arenas, they're going to be filled. Ticket sales will be abundant and we're going to be ready when that, when that happens. And I thought about that today that, you know, People are going to be hungry. They're going to be hungry for live music and for entertainment. I, I think that's absolutely true. I, I can't fathom how we're going to feel safe, what it's going to take for us to feel safe again to do that, to gather that way again. Uh, um, I think it's really important what you're doing that you're coming together and you're performing and doing your stage it and doing those concerts because I am starving for that for, for music as as all of us are, I think. And to see you guys, you know, it's really nice that the people are doing the Zooms and they're doing the little things and putting them together. And I greatly appreciate all of those. And I loved when you guys did them, but to see you actually play live together is a whole, mm -hmm. different, a whole different deal. So yeah. I'm grateful for your bubbles. And um, uh, Russ, how is, uh, how, how is COVID impacting other than with the music and what you how it's impacting not touring and stuff how is it impacting your life is it are you in it you're obviously in LA. um well you know i have a i have two bubbles i have a local bubble i live in san clemente and i have some local friends mm -hmm. that we all are like-minded and everyone's state and i see them from time to time and I do everything that everyone else does. You know, you go shopping and you have to go do your errands and certain things. And then we, we have the band bubble that, you know, <clears throat> we've done some rehearsing together and we're all, we social distance uh, the appropriate amount and we wear masks, uh, except when we're playing and singing. 
And so it's affected my life, just like Danny said, like it's affected everyone else. But we make exceptions and we have to move forward. We can't just stay stuck. We have to, we have to move forward in some, in some way. And because we're in this musical family, we found a way creatively. We, and also we have great management. You know, Fred Crochel and, uh, and David Helfant, our managers, have helped us so much to get to work to to keep going plowing forward during this pandemic you know and so we are you know we are i think we're way better off than most people i think this caught so many people by surprise and they were like deer in the headlights for two months and during those two months we were moving forward we were we yeah were we were doing we doing those little stupid videos that we did with the little cubes and then we figured out a way to film our own videos and give it to a real video editor to make, to make really, really good videos, you know, for, for our song. So we've actually, we've been busier during COVID yeah. than, we, than we were before, you know, so. One of the videos, there's two of each of you and in one of them you're playing and in one of them you're dancing and sing, like there's, instead of five of you, there's 10 boxes. I assume a professional put that together for you. It's quite amazing. I can't remember what the song is, but it's an amazing video. Um, have, do you find that, do any of you find that you've got, I, Lee and I have talked about this endlessly about, uh, I know Lee goes to Trader Joe's and does, I, I haven't been in a store since March and I have um, underlying conditions and stuff. So I don't do the shopping and everything, but I know Lee, you, you're pretty, you have a routine you do and that's all you do right yeah. do you find that you're getting i'm getting covid weary and i've kind of dropped some of my um i've gotten a little a little more daring i've let my boyfriend in my house which was huge so do you find that you're getting covid weary are you are you getting sick of this i'm you know i'm covid weary I think everybody is because you know what what was seeming like something that might be a month or two you know, now we're looking at it, you know, plowing through the year. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm wary of it, but I just did not, I haven't hit a wall or anything like that. Um, I've really tried every day to do something creative and, and uh, meaningful. And, and, and even, you know, just walking my dogs, working in my yard, doing things like that, just to keep my mind and my body working because it would be easy to fall into more uh, into a morass and a funk mm -hmm. that you know there's a lot of people that have ended their lives over this because they just can't take it it's it it's such a surreal moment in, in our lifetimes we've never seen this before mm -hmm. and uh and i'm I, and and just like with the politics i'm not going to go down without a fight so i'm looking i'm looking at this as uh it's you can kind of fall into a bit of a funk, but I really trying to create as many things around me um, that get my mind off of it so that I don't feel because I'm actually busier now than I normally would have ever been. I had so much road work ahead of me for this year that got canceled. And when you're touring, you're basically only working when you go out on the road, you're working a couple hours a day and the rest of the time's yours. Um, once you dial in your show and do all that. Where here, I'm busy from the crack of dawn until the wee hours of the morning, every day doing things. And uh, and it's really helped me. Get, I, get I want to talk about your channel. And, and I, th th that's getting to my next point is I think, I think, I just thought about this yesterday. There's a certain freedom that comes with this. 
I yeah. am four times. I'm doing a daily show now. I used to do one a week. Now I do five. Yeah. I, I think in ways we, we are able to be more prolific, to get more done because there's a freedom here because we don't have to do the mundane things we used to do running around. And Lee, talk about you created this this YouTube channel that's like crazy off the charts. So tell us about that. Well, I mean, it was one of these things that we had come off of this Phil Collins tour. We were on the road off and on for about two and Can a half I years. I interrupt you for one second. They're using a Phil Collins song for the Trump rally today. I heard about that. I think they're using In the Air tonight or one of they those are. things. You know, and, and you can't stop them. I mean, all these people, like Trump goes out and uses the Rolling Stones and all this stuff, and you can't make them stop. It's it's just weird. It's just weird. But um, so we finished Phil's tour, and I had um, some bass players write to me and say, you know, we saw you in a stadium, and, you know, it, we, it sounded great, but we couldn't hear, like, the details of what you were doing. So I decided just, I, I had the house mixer, front, our front of house guy, Michelle, sent me a show from Adelaide. And, and, I, and I loaded it in my laptop. And so what I did was I, I, I started with the first song of the show and I played it through a little Bose speaker that's next to my laptop. And I have a little bass amp on the floor and I played along with the stuff, but mixing it together so that the bass was the louder part of the track so they could hear everything. And about three songs into this, I had all these people writing me going, man, we love your channel. And I, what are you talking about? I had no clue that this created a channel, um, mm -hmm. but it's it's gone on. I mean, there's I'm going on 140,000 fans on this thing, and out of this, I've, I've you know I've created a, a clubhouse and a store and all kinds. Vicky, I'll of be right back. I'll be right back. Okay, Danny, I'm I'm gonna have you play one more time, if you will, before we go. Okay, yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, so I, I just, it's turned into a thing where I haven't missed a day since since this started in March. I've posted a video every single day of a song and telling stories about the road. And I've done, and I really try to talk every day about the band and people are really so anxious to hear the group. And people wrote to me today and said, we got our tickets for the show on Saturday. We're so excited. So it's, it's been really great. It's given me a focus every day where I still feel viable. Mm -hmm. um, and and I'm enjoying that. And then I've done this book that's going to be coming out at the end of. Uh, yep, <laughs> um, it'll be in my hands at the end of November. And uh, unbelievably, because the last time you were on the show, you were just talking about the idea, and you just put it together and made it happen. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a bunch of stuff like that that I kind of looked at. This is a, a, a time for opportunity. And one thing I'm really sort of hopeful maybe comes out of this whole experience is that people, while they're sitting around, mm -hmm. um, maybe reevaluate what's important in their lives because a lot of things have been taken away, but there's a lot of things that ultimately haven't been missed. Mm -hmm. And maybe when you know, we come out of this, you know, people maybe simplify certain things in their lives and think, God, that seems so important at the, at the time, but now, I haven't had it and I don't miss it. And maybe maybe some positive things will come from this. The, the most tragic part of this is the amount of people that have died and are suffering and the families that are suffering and the, and the responders that teachers and doctors and nurses and postal people and trash people that are out there every day dealing with this while we have an administration that, that's so flippantly disgusting 
about this and acting like it's no big deal. Um, we were and, talking before the show, just today, they were talking on CNN about this administration is talking seriously about herd immunity, which yeah. would literally be mass murder of millions yeah. of Americans. Oh yeah, we can just get the young kids, everybody get it. And the idiot doesn't even know what it's called. He's calling yeah. it herd mentality. Um, but I would like I would like to see like the Nuremberg trials. I'd like to see crimes against humanity and and take these people all down at this point because he's he and his in in these these golems that he surrounds himself with are some of the the worst people that humanity's ever experienced and you know I, I want to just talk about the band I, but I, I mean yeah. for me this is just driving me crazy every day seeing can I jump in and say can I jump in and say that that there's many many people that are way way worse off than any of us way worse yeah. off and, and that have lost everything and uh, uh these are the people that that really are being the most affected by this incredibly yeah. lame administration but as Leland said you know uh, we don't need let's not talk about that because we all know it the four of us certainly are on the same page about all this and and yeah uh, yeah you know, let's see what happens well, I think in speaking to it's, it's a, let me you know the next the next few days this election is going to be a real toe tapper, you know, and um, let's see yeah, what happens. Well, not to mention what it's going to be like between November third and January twenty second. Yeah. There's going to be violence. There's going to be violence. There's going to be blood in the streets. Some people are going to get killed. Let's mm -hmm. hope all hell doesn't break loose in terms of the entire country turning on against each other. But we're in a bad situation here. Like yeah. I said, us us here in the band, we're doing way better than than. Uh, most people. So are you, yeah. Vicky. And so, are, you know, we're, we're, we're incredibly lucky to, to Very lucky. Have come through this without losing many family members and all kinds of stuff, which a lot of people have. Yeah. Speaking to Russ's point, I, I, I think you're absolutely right, Russ, about the good that's going to come out of this in that we were talking about the things we've lost, but I think that some of the stuff <laughs> we've gained, I think we've really come, I know for me, my appreciation of other human beings and of just the value of looking somebody in the eyeballs and being able to touch someone's hand and being able to be uh, together in a situation. So I think, as you were mentioning, Russ, that art is going to explode like it never has before when this is over because our need to do that together, because we've all been in our little cubicles doing what we do, but to be able to come together and do it, um, I think there's going to be Woodstocks out the wazoo because I think people are just going to want to herd together. Um, yeah, I could not agree more. And, uh, you know, perfect example of this. Look at what Leland has done during this time. Okay. He, he, he had wanted to put to do something with his book. He put it together. He found the right people to do it with. He started a YouTube channel. 140,000 viewers is, it's like off the chart, you know, it's like, it's amazing. So that's a perfect example. And I, and I think when we're all able to just hug each other again, without fear, I mean, the feeling of actually touching another body, of just a friend, is going to be so incredible for all of us, you know, and I really think there's going to be some positive stuff, but that's going to be on the other side, a lot of, of, of a lot of this other stuff. Now I'm going to answer a question that you asked before. Good. You ask about artists that really haven't kind of risen to the top mm -hmm. that 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 we maybe have worked with. Mm -hmm. 
there's a man in New York City and his name is James Maddox. And I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's incredible. You know, and I, I, I've written some songs with him. I produced a couple of things for him. And if you can check him out, and he's one of those guys that's just kind of bubbling under the surface. He's been around for a long time. He has an amazing voice and he's a really great songwriter. James I'd have Maddox. him on and have him sing for us a little bit. And oh, you should, you definitely should. I would yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, before we go, Danny, this wasn't planned, but is can you play something else? Can you play us out? Can you give us some music since you guys are all about the <laughs> I, I wish I could, but you know, the fact is that I just ran out of juice here. So I had to plug, I had to move out of my studio and and, <laughs> and plug uh -huh. the power back in because I was running out of juice here. So not near a guitar at the moment. Okay, um, well, well, give us the information. I, it, the stage it is on Saturday. Um, people, I have the link in the show description so that people can get their great, tickets. Great. And the um, the EP will be available on Friday, and uh, slipping and sliding, and it's phenomenal. I have heard it. You will rock your little pants off because Lee and I, by the way, we're not wearing any pants. And Lee, you didn't show us your socks. <laughs> Lee, Lee has special socks for to show you guys. Yes, the least floor socks. <laughs> and also, everybody on this screen is in my book. Everybody on this screen is in my book. So all given the finger. Yes, I made the book. That's so I'm so honored. You, you actually have a really big picture in it. It's really good. It was a great shot. Yeah, yeah. But you didn't you didn't take the, the wrinkles away. Anyway, what wrinkles? Uh, I'm honored. And uh, it's been absolutely a joy to to meet you, Russ, and to see you again, Danny. And Lee, I adore you always. And Russ, I'm coming, both of you two guys, I'm coming after you because I really want to do a one-on-one -on -one and really get to talk about your your deep stories and, 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 uh, and get to know you better. And I am so looking forward to Saturday. Thank you so much for doing this. I know you guys are busy. And um, I, I didn't address any of the questions that anybody was asking on Facebook, but I'm gonna hit you up. I'm gonna read them afterwards and everybody out there, I know you're there. Thanks for being with us. I'm gonna read all your questions and I'm gonna go after these guys and I'm gonna get the answers for you. And I hope you have um, a wonderful time. I will see you guys. I'll be rocking with no pants on on Saturday. Fantastic. <laughs> we love you, Vicky. Thank love you. you. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you so much. Thanks. Take care.